0: Hi, this is Chris Baldwin, aka Fight Goddess with Skulls Combat Sports Equipment, and you are listening to Eddie Goldman with No Holes Barred.
1: Hi, my name is Melissa Smith from GirlBoxing.org, and I'm listening to No Holes Barred with Eddie Goldman.
2: Hello, everyone around the world. Once again, this is Eddie Goldman on No Holds Barred. On this edition of the show, we once again spoke with our colleagues, Chris Baldwin of Angry Afro Radio and Melissa Smith of Girl Boxing on The War Room. A video of this discussion has also been posted on the Angry Afro Radio YouTube page. Our discussion took place Sunday, September 26th. This past Saturday, former cruiserweight champion Alexander Usyk upset unified heavyweight champ Anthony Joshua by a clear-cut unanimous decision to capture all of his heavyweight belts. We discussed why and how the upset happened, if the gun-shy Joshua needs a new trainer, if Joshua was just burnt out, how Usyk has been underappreciated, how Joshua has regressed as a fighter, what's next for both fighters and the heavyweight division, and much more. And we also discussed some of the latest news in women's boxing. But before we get to that, a word from the sponsors of No Holds Barred. No Holds Barred is brought to you by LennyHart.com, the home of Lenny Hart the legendary MMA and sports announcer, voice actor, singer, actress, and comedian. Lenny is also known for her jazz vocals with her Lenny Hart Jazz Cabaret Band. For more information, to book her, or to order a custom message from her, go to LennyHart.com. That's L-E-N-N-E-H-A-R-D-T dot com. And... Skull's Fight Shop, home of the Skull's Double End Bag, the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. Skull's Double End Bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed, distance, and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skull's Fight Shop, advancing combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Skulls, that's S-K-U-L-L-Z, fight shop dot com And Adolfina Studios, original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to Etsy.com That's E dot com Slash shop Slash Adolfina Studios That's A-D-O-L P-H-I-N-A Studios Also, please subscribe To the No Holds Barred page On Patreon For much more No Holds Barred Content That's at Patreon.com Slash Eddie Goldman Now, you can also support our independent no holds barred journalism by purchasing items such as t shirts, hoodies, tank tops, mugs, pillows, masks, and even mini skirts at the new No holds barred with Eddie Goldman shop on Red Bubble. It has also been recommended to me that people choose sizes on the large side, as some items may run small. You can browse all the items for sale and then place an order at redbubble.com slash people slash Eddie Goldman. Hello, everyone around the world. Welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman, no holds barred.
0: What's up, Fight fans? Welcome back to the War Room. This is Chris Baldwin, your fight goddess, and I am here with Melissa and Eddie, and we are ready to talk about this damn Anthony Joshua and Alexander Yusuf fight. Music upset Joshua. How did this happen? Let's talk about that shit right now. Let's go. Welcome to the War Room. It has been a very exciting week in boxing, and we are here to discuss this today with my co-host Melissa Smith and Eddie from No Holes Bar News. You guys, let's jump right into this conversation. Melissa, tell us the uh, women's fights that happened this weekend. Uh, because there was a women's fight on this card with Joshua you said yes?
1: No, there was not. No? No women. That was shocking, because usually... um, I thought I saw DAZN promote a women's fight on that card. They did promote it, but not for the card. They promote it because they've got some big fights coming up in October. October 9th, there's a a big fight um, with Shannon uh, Courtney uh, against Jamie Mitchell for the WBA World female bantam title that's coming up that'll be on the liam S- smith anthony fowler card which is august 9th okay so no unfortunately no female bouts there were two two bouts you know kind of really under the radar you'll be hard pressed to find them you might find them on youtube if somebody posted them one was with uh marcella cornejo who um at, at one point Point. She's 14 and 5 now. And at one point, she was really being titled touted as a, a real champion type. Um, she's gone on, unfortunately, to lose all of her uh, opportunities to get the WBC World Super, um, World Female Super Middleweight title. She's lost it twice, once against uh, actually both times against Franchon Cruz. But she's still a fighter to watch and someone that um, has really good skills. And she fought, um, this is her second fight in 2021. She just fought a woman named Miranda Barber. I mean, not, not that exciting about in the sense that this is a two-and-two two fighter. So really kind of underwhelming, underpowered mismatch. However, she is back in the game, which means that... Um, she has the opportunity to start to compete for some bigger fights at super middleweight if we can ever get those bouts happening again. The other fighter is uh, Marcela Elena Acuno, who's an um, Argentinian fighter. She's fifty-seven and two with twenty KOs. Did she's you say fifty-seven? Fifty-seven 50, and two. Fifty uh, wins, seven losses, two draws. Wow. Uh, yeah, she's. She is a really, really awesome fighter. She has fought the best in the business. She is a world female Super Bantam title holder many times over um, and has been on the scene in boxing really for 20 years at this point, but it's still a, a winner. And then she's had her first fight uh, in two years. She had, her last fight was a draw with Jackie Nava, the great um, Mexican fighter. And this was sort of a tune up fight with a three and three fighter in Argentina, but it's, and she even fought two weight classes above her normal weight. But it's her announcing that, hey, I'm coming back into boxing. So she will also be someone to watch in terms of any big female fights that are coming up in that very crowded uh, weight class over the next year or two, including, you know, she did defeat Shannon O'Connell who is a British fighter who has some, some juice. So um, someone just to bear in mind that is back onto the scene in women's boxing and um, may end up with a ranking again. She has been sort of taken out of the rankings, did inactivity, activity, but as she starts to contest again and start to fight you know, competitive bouts, she is someone that we're going to look at. Uh, And the only other thing is, you know, sort of the next big women's bout is going to be on the DAZN card October 9th, um, when we have Shannon Courtney, who will be fighting uh, an American fighter, Jamie Mitchell, as I said, for the WBA World Female Bent title. So that'll be an interesting fight on the card.
0: Outstanding. Thank you so much, Melissa. All right, Eddie, give us your breakdown of this Joshua Yusick fight. You want to jump into that right now?
2: Oh, yeah, let's jump into it, because there's
0: an awful, awful
2: lot to discuss. Ooh. I just want to give a little bit of an analogy from 100 years ago. There was a heavyweight title fight in 1921 in Jersey City, New Jersey, by the way, between Jack Dempsey, the heavyweight champion, and Georges Carpentier of France, who was then the light heavyweight champion. And Dempsey had about a 20 pound advantage. And before the fight, Carpentier was giving these interviews. And from what I'm reading, he was actually the fan favorite in that fight, because a lot of people didn't like Dempsey, they viewed him as a draft dodger for World War One, he was pretty much a dirty fighter a lot of the times. And Carpentier was the heartthrob. But Carpentier said, I fight a boxer, and I box a fighter. And that saying is over 100 years old, I don't know if he was the first one to to say that it probably was around a lot longer than that. But if we go to Saturday night, September 25th, 2021, not 1921. We had another boxer and a fighter. The boxer was Alexander Utsik, and the fighter, of course, was Anthony Joshua. But instead of the fighter fighting the boxer, he tried to box him through most of the fight. And Utsik understood that, started the fight quickly in the first few seconds, landing a couple of left hands for which Joshua had no answer. And from there, it was off to the races. And I think in I think our mistake, because we all thought that Joshua was going to win. One of the problems is that Joshua is a lot more popular than he is good. And we underestimated Usyk because it's harder to really get to know him. Uh, He speaks only a little bit of English. He's from Ukraine. And most of his fights are on the road, including this one, which was in, in London in the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, a huge football stadium with over 60,000 fans in attendance. And I'm just looking at Utsik's record, and I'll just go over since 2017, his major fights. He fought in the United States against American Michael Hunter, and he won a convincing unanimous decision. Hunter is currently in most ratings, a top 10 heavyweight. He next fought Marco Hook in Germany, and he stopped them in the 10th round. He was at the end of his career, but still, that was an impressive stoppage. He then was in the uh, semifinals and finals of the World Boxing Super Series, and he fought Maris Bradis, then undefeated of Latvia in Riga, Latvia. And in perhaps the closest fight Usyk ever had, and a really good fight, he won a majority decision. He then went to Russia to face the Russian fighter, Murat Gassiev in the finals. And he won a a clear cut, almost shut out unanimous decision to capture the world boxing super series cruiserweight title and unify all four of the belts. He then defended it against a former cruiserweight champion from the UK, Tony Bellew, in Manchester in the UK, and he stopped them in the eighth round. Then, having wiped out the whole cruiserweight division, he moved up to heavyweight. He beat Journeyman Chaz with spoon. And then he, he, that was in the US, an American. He then went back to the U.K. against Derek Chisora of the U.K. He won a unanimous decision in which he didn't look particularly great. He then was on the road again this past Saturday night against Anthony Joshua. And Joshua took everything for granted coming in. If you read these interviews that Joshua was giving before this fight, it'll show you where his head was. He's talking about retiring after five more years. Mm-hmm. He was saying he's going to go on one of these, uh, uh, these Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos shots to outer space. You know, he's kind of joking, but we're going to Mars. He also said things like, I'm tired. And in an interview earlier in the fight week, he looked tired. He said, there is a lot of fatigue in camp. And he was looking past this fight, as as most people were. And he was asked, "What's his game plan?" And instead of, which is a dumb question because nobody's going to, almost nobody except Tyson Fury is going to tell you the game plan. He he said, "Well, we have no game plan. We're just going to take it as it as it goes." And he had no game plan. He could he had trouble adjusting. He should have taken the center of the ring. Stalk and try to dominate uh, Usyk from the beginning, use his size advantage, his strength advantage, but he didn't do that. And it took him a couple of rounds to start to be able to, to win anything. And his corner, his longtime trainer, Rob McCracken, who goes back to the amateur days and also was the, the British uh, Olympic coach, was kind of, yeah, throw some more jabs. There was no sense of urgency that he was giving a good trade. I'm not talking about this, uh, these motivational phony motivational things, but they got to say, son, you're losing this fight, right? You got to step it up, throw the jab, work the body, do all the things that, that you have to do and explain it. And if we look at Joshua's record now, He is two and two in his last four fights. And frankly, after he defeated Vladimir Klitschko in April of 2017, he had won the title defeating a couple of lower level fighters, Charles Martin, Dominic Brazil, Eric Molina. And he and he looked that that was his peak, stopping Klitschko after being down and hurt. He fought Carlos Takam and he won but he didn't look real impressive. He then got his first decision win against Joseph Parker. And again, he didn't look like a killer in there. He fought the aging Alexander Povetkin. And while he stopped him in the seventh, he was hurt in the first round by Povetkin, who was a a smaller man. Then of course he had the first fight with Andy Ruiz, where he came out, and until the, the third round, he knocked him down in the third round and Ruiz came back and knocked him down. And Joshua's never been the same fighter since. He won the rematch in Saudi Arabia against Andy Ruiz, but he looked very tentative in that. Even in fighting Kubrat Pulov, again, a veteran who's not in the, the A level, he was boxing until he got some openings and eventually stopped them in the ninth round of that fight. He was looking past Usyk, as, as most of us were all this talk of fighting Tyson Fury, for unifying all the heavyweight titles and all this. He really didn't know what to do. And, and Usyk playing a more silent role. He came at the press conference dressed as uh, the Joker, the, the character from uh, the old Batman show. And was being very sly and sort of smiling and having this devilish smile. He was planning for this fight. He wasn't thinking about all this other nonsense. And Joshua's head wasn't there in this fight. And his corner was really not helping him very much. So we saw Uzik dominate the fight, and particularly in the later rounds, Uzik almost stopped him in the t- round. If that round had gone on a a little bit longer or if there had been another round, he might have been stopped by the much smaller Usyk. So I think what this shows is is two things. Number one, we've been living in the Alexander Usyk era, but we didn't know it till last night. And number two for Joshua, this might have been his September song. Even if they have... A rematch between these two, I don't see Joshua improving that much unless there's some injury or whatever.
0: So, you don't think if Joshua got a new trainer that thinks he could improve his uh defensive skills against music next go round?
2: He needs his offense more of his offensive skills, he has to take charge. Yeah, he Hard- kept
0: getting hit with so many lefts, yeah, because <laughs> was he was crazy. Just-
2: he was standing there, and he wasn't. He wasn't cutting off the ring. He wasn't using proper footwork. He wasn't jabbing first. He has a very powerful jab. I don't think he's going to get rid of Rob McCracken. He's been with I him. I didn't
1: see him throw one right hand. Barely.
0: He barely threw that right he hand. He barely
1: threw it, but also, you know, he wasn't fighting tall, and that was crazy. Right. He was not fighting tall when you fight tall you're you're behind your jab you're at distance you're not sitting there in this tiny little pocket your jab you're sticking and going and then you're being clever with how you're you're hiding your right and then you're uncurling it and you're knocking the guy down. He did not do that except for one or two rounds of that fight in the middle rounds. He started to do that. But uh,
2: this is all basic boxing 101.
1: I, you and I would know to do that, right? We're, if we're going to fight tall, that's what you do. You're not sitting there trying to, you know, trade with someone. Well, I'm not clever. a fighter.
0: I'm just a fan, you know, and, and a conditioning coach. But he just looked to me. He looked tired. You're right, Eddie. He did look tired. And he looked like he was scared to, like, punch. I didn't understand. Like, he was so timid in there. Like, he didn't want to throw that right hand. I just didn't get that. So
2: He's got been gun-shy since the first Ruiz fight. A lot of people have said that and and it it was reflected in this fight.
1: And, you know, even at the time, there were a lot of people that felt he he got hit so hard and so badly that he he may never recover just from the shot itself. What shot? When when he got hit by Ruiz. Oh, you know that it just threw him. And that there may, you know. Well, that's if that's the
0: case, then he really needs to retire. I mean, if he doesn't have fuck you money by now, you know, he better get some fuck you money and then retire. Because who the hell wants to see? I don't. I, you know, I'm a big AJ fan. I don't want to see him get wiped out like embarrassingly. You know what I'm saying? Go out while you're on top. (laughs)
1: Well, yeah. And if you're Usyk, why would you go for an immediate? An immediate, you know, but he already
0: activated rematch, right? Apparently, it's in the
2: contract.
1: It's in the contract. But when they do it, it's it's up to (laughs) us. Right. And then
2: then you're going to get all the nonsense with the sanctioning bodies. Uh, All these sanctioning bodies going to go along with another immediate rematch for Joshua, he got the immediate rematch with Ruiz because a lot of people considered that just one of those things. That happens. You have a bad night. Ruiz is not on his level, whatever, whatever. Joshua looked out of sorts from that fight, walking to the ring. The the first fight with Ruiz, you could tell something was wrong. He wasn't all there. This fight, walking to the ring, he was relaxing, joking. He looked too relaxed, too complacent. He didn't have that that uh, warrior's eye as you really need for a fight.
1: And, and, and Usyk's win was so dominant. So why should he go right away? He has nothing to gain from going right away. And as, as Eddie points out with the sanctioning bodies, they will say, well, actually, you know, we need a mandatory on the WBA or whatever the heck it is. So um, it's not to so Usyk's you're saying, advantage.
0: So you said <laughs> Usyk can't jump. He can't, He he doesn't have to fight. AJ next. He can say, all right, let's, I can fight the winner of Wilder uh, Fury, right? Or something like that.
1: It's a dance, right? I don't believe the contract says his next fight must be a rematch. I think it says there's a rematch clause, but it doesn't say it has to be his next fight. So, and, and Elusik even said it. He says, you know what? I'm tired. I haven't seen my family in a while. I've been, I have been doing nothing but boxing for months. I want to go home and see my family. Like, yeah, there's, there's no so reason. Clear.
2: There's no reason five minutes after the fight, an announcer comes and sticks a microphone in front of him with yeah. a camera on and say, what do you want to do next? There's no reason for him to, to say that straight away. Exactly. Eddie, but in the press conference afterwards, well, he equivocated right after the fight in the press conference. He clearly said, yes, I'll do the rematch, but have it in Kiev, which that, I don't yeah. I don't think is going to happen. But Eddie Hearn wants to have the immediate rematch. And it might be his most his most lucrative fight. and He might not really care about all those belts. And, and I don't think it'll be I don't really don't think it'll be much different. The, the, the next fight. And as for Joshua. Where is it, what's he going to do? What are his alternatives financially if, he, if he's starting really to fade? Hearn even said, you could, yeah, you could give him some easy fight against some journeymen. That's not going to make any money, and that's not going to help him. And you always can get caught. Something can always happen in one of these fights, as we saw with the first fight with, with Ruiz. Ruiz, by the way, as you recall, did more to to lose that second fight than Joshua did to win because he didn't train. He ate and drank everything in sight. He wasn't listening to his trainer, Manny Robles, who couldn't even find him the, the few days before the fight they're in Saudi Arabia, just in these going between the hotels and the, the arena. It's not like there are all these places to, to run around there and, and, and Robles couldn't even find him for the, 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 the media conference called like a day or two before the fight and you know then he he blamed himself too afterwards but it was you know it was too late he said he had too many coronas or whatever he was whatever what it was'm yeah it it's, 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 a, it's yeah. Set following the chris Ariola playbook too <laughs> of ruining your career for beer but but what's what are the alternatives to Joshua if he has a rematch with Usyk in the UK, say in one of these these big uh, f- football stadiums or wherever, there's going to be a lot of money involved in it. They'll be able to get a lot of fans. If if he the fight could there could never be a rematch because if Usyk goes on to fight somebody else, you don't know when there's going to be a rematch. Usyk is 34. Joshua turns 32 in a, in a couple of weeks in October, you don't know how long that's going to be put off, which is another lesson, by the way, of do not postpone these mega fights for all these bullshit reasons, because you don't know if they're going to happen, or if when they do, they'll be as compelling, because you didn't have Joshua and Wilder, you didn't have Joshua and fury. Now Joshua's record is tainted. So if Fury would fight Joshua, what do you think? Uh, people would just sort of view it as a foregone conclusion. If the smaller Usyk can box his ears wow. off, what would happen to the, to the big heavyweight Fury against him? You're losing your marketability. That, that's what I see, Eddie ernan and and Joshua's thinking. I don't know if it's so much based on money. I think he just wants to avenge himself. I just don't see it would be that different a result unless something else happens to Usyk.
1: Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Because he'd have to really fundamentally alter his fight game. And, and he was not, it took him till the third round to even be loose in that ring. And then he had a few good rounds. and But as soon as Usyk answered back or came back into an aggressive stance, he froze. And he was unable to execute that tall man strategy, which is his only way to win. The only way for him to win. Well, we Usyk will see going to make mistakes. I mean, he's too good a boxer. And, Go and Usyk,
2: Usyk beat Joshua more convincingly than he beat Bradis. In the, in the cruiserweight fight they had in 2018 in the World Boxing Super Series. Uzik beat Joshua more convincingly than he did Derek Chisora, a, a journeyman sort of longtime fringe contender in, the, in his previous heavyweight fight. What, is, what does that really say? Uh, Josh, Joshua was saying all these things. He was talking like a neophyte. I'm still learning and all this. This is a guy who's an Olympic gold medalist, was a unified champion, is almost 32 years old, has been fighting all these big fights. And and yeah, of course you're always still learning, but he he said he, he wanted to outbox Busick.
1: You gotta he didn't be out of that.
2: <laughs> you you gotta be out. out of your mind to to think that that's what your strategy should be.
1: Yeah, no, he's he's Loma on steroids, right?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know if literally on steroids. I mean, they were, you know, they both had VADA testing for
1: no, but in the sense of saying that, you know, as brilliant a a boxer as Lomachenko is, just put him up 50, 60 pounds, and there's Usyk. Similar training, the footwork is 300
0: amateur fights, right? Insane, it's the
1: footwork, it's yeah. How he can just be everywhere at once, and that was what was so brilliant about what he executed. And then when he turned on the burners in the twelfth round, and just had him against, he was practically just smacking him. It was like he was (laughs) bitch slapping him. I mean, he was like pop, 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 and you know, and and Joshua did not know what to do
0: other than stick his tongue out and lean on the ropes.
1: Yeah, like come on, dude. I'll
0: I'll slip, but. You know, That's how you finish in this fight. That's why we were like finish strong. We wanted AJ to finish strong, but he tapped out. Just he tapped there. the hell out. I would have gone for it. It's like fuck it. Go out there and go for the gusto, AJ. Go for the. Right That's what I would if I was out. in his corner. Go out there and knock that motherfucker out. But then <laughs> I heard that you you six team told him not to try to knock out AJ. Just to just to box, just to keep boxing, don't try to knock him out. So he's, Yeah, they didn't want him he to. Open up. Took
1: all, he, he took
0: his foot off the gas.
1: Well, not only that, but, you know, I think, Eddie, you were talking about his corner, uh, Joshua's corner. At some point, you could actually hear his corner saying, Oh, you're, that's a, you're doing great, AJ. You're doing a great job. And it's like, What? What? What movie are you watching? This <laughs> oh, is my not- Lord but They were literally, he needs a new team.
0: He needs a new team. He's just you literally,
1: hear his team saying that in between because and because I was like, really felt like I was in a cognitive dissonance like that can't be the quarter. And then a round or two later, I heard the same, you know, voice okay, body shot. You know, I was like, yeah, it's the same person. How could they possibly be saying that to him in between the rounds? That is.
2: That, that is insane. Joshua said Ridiculous that corner. Joshua said that he lost vision in the in ninth, ninth round and he couldn't right. see after that, at which point you got to say now's the, now's the time to go for broke Exactly. because if you can't see, you can, you know, you can still throw punches and, you know, you could see the guy enough in front of you, you got to be aggressive and, and he didn't do that. And they yeah. needed somebody. I remember when, uh, Lennox Lewis criticized Joshua for being too uh, hesitant, which is funny because a lot of people criticized Lennox in his career for being uh, too uh, hesitant and patient in fights. But I remember when Lennox Lewis fought Mike Tyson, when Tyson was at, at the end of his career, and Lewis seemed almost af- afraid of him. After the first in the first round, which I think so I recall most people had Tyson winning their round, and Emmanuel Stewart said to Lewis in the corner, he yelled at him, he said, you got a dead man in front of you, take him on and then Lewis stepped him up and eventually stopped him as, as most people expected. You need somebody like that in the corner, not like the your mellow. Old uncle or, or something that no, McCracken is. You
1: got to have somebody who, like, you know, my trainer Lennox Blackmore. I've I've heard him in fight saying, "Listen, do you want to fight? If you don't want to fight, I'll pull you out right now, motherfucker." <laughs> uh-huh. Exactly. Like, I'll throw up. in a like, towel. I'll up. throw in a towel. Exactly. Like, forget it. Why are you wasting my time here? And then he gets performance. So may- maybe, you know, AJ doesn't respond to that. I don't know. But sometimes you just got to get a two by four and hit him in the head.
2: Because because he's viewed almost like royalty in yeah. the UK. He has one of these. I don't know. One of the OBE, one of these. NBA, yeah. Co- co- one of these titles that they, they give out to people because he won the Olympic gold medal in 2012 in London, he's a huge star and a huge hero there. And and it's not like he is somebody who is uh, snappy or, you know, going to get uh, nasty with somebody, but may, there's, there's too much respect for the guy. And people really people really like Anthony Joshua. There are articles in the particularly in the both British and Nigerian press all the time of who is Anthony Joshua's girlfriends and they list a bunch of women who may or may not, he, he may or may not have dated. And then some of these celebrity uh, women start saying, Oh, I could marry Anthony Joshua." all this kind of nonsense from the gossip pages. You don't see that about a lot of boxes. People really like the guy, but sometimes you got to have somebody in there that you know, tells them what's what's really really going on and McCracken isn't the guy to do it and you're right he needs somebody else in there but I don't know that that's going to make much of a difference because you could have somebody saying that but number one you got to listen to them and number two you got to be able to carry out what those instructions are.
1: Well yeah and then that gets back to you know what is he doing in training what is he doing when he's um, you know, how, what is he doing when he's sparring? I mean, you know, there was talk even during the, the show, I think it was um, uh, the, the announcers were talking about how AJ was touting that he'd been using the heavy bag a lot and at some point. I think it was the ninth round or 10th round. I was like, yeah, but heavy bags don't move. Exactly. Oh, well. and, and I'll, and, and look like a
0: ballet dancer. That's the way he's very elusive in the ring. And so you, dude, you got to step up your game.
1: Yeah. Plus he's a Southpaw. And right. it's, you know, uh, that, and um, AJ hasn't fought a lot of southpaws, So there, there's a whole other level of fighting and, and, and sort of boxing IQ that has to happen when you're fighting a Southpaw, just the, you know, the, the territory of where the feet are, and uh, Agent, you could watch the feed and you could see that he was not on the outside. He was losing that battle. So right. there was a lot of those subtleties that uh, a veteran trainer who is teaching you fighting mm-hmm. and how to be in the ring and how to contest in the ring. Um, those kinds of things were not, those were not the messages that he was getting when his corner was talking to him.
2: Yeah. Um, and I also, I also wonder if he over trained because remember mm-hmm. originally he was training to fight fury on august uh, the 14th and he started training yeah. for that yeah. so he might have been training since june straight on he talked about that a lot that he's always in training like so i wonder if he, if he also overtrained a bit yeah but his trainer should
0: have should have given him recovery weeks because if they had spaced the recovery weeks out, he would have been fresh.
2: His trainer was in Tokyo for the Olympics, Rob McCracken. So I don't know if
0: something Who knows what
1: he him. did. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I'm he's, still Team AJ, all yeah. the way.
1: Well, he's, let's go know, win, he's, lose, or draw, AJ. You still got you. A, you know, he's a beautiful person, and he yeah. and he's really been trying to have things outside of the ring that are socially relevant in England and, and UK and meaningful. And yes, he's a superstar, but he's also trying to expand his pocket. Um, but there were some other fights on that card. Uh, the Callum Smith fight, you know, who, Callum Smith, uh, you know, lost to Canelo, but now he's gone up to light heavyweight and he fought uh Uruguayan fire, Lennon Castillo and had a, a knock knockout that, was so powerful and overwhelming as Castillo went down, his legs started to just uncontrollably tremble.
0: Oh no! Um,
1: a really powerful bad knockout, and um, had to go hope to he's the okay. hospital. Yeah, hope he's he okay. he is okay. Um, he was actually taken to the hospital. They did ran tests, um, and he was uh, released. So he's home. You know, back in the hotel. i haven't seen much press after that but that was a very frightening indeed. Um, and it, you know, we've talked about this, uh, boxing doesn't play and, um, you know, being mindful of mismatches and everything else, certainly Castillo is a decent fighter and he has good skills. He just got totally rocked with a right and it was so hard and so powerful. It put him down. And as I said, his, uh, watching it was pretty frightening. So mm-hmm. that was, um, really pretty shocking um and and smith i thought handled it well you know he wasn't he's a pretty reserved guy anyway um so he was not uh whooping it up and jumping up and down and i think he realized fairly fairly soon after the seriousness of of his opponent you know the seriousness of the condition of his opponent and he was knocked out for a while he did lose consciousness um so he was fairly restrained and said the right things. But uh, beyond that, I mean, he certainly made a statement in the line heavyweight division and uh, it'll be interesting to see where, what his career trajectory is going to be after that.
0: Good. Eddie, you got anything else?
2: Well, the big attraction, of course, in boxing is still the heavyweight division. And now we have Another fight coming up in a couple of weeks on October 9th, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. And as I noted this, there were clues, by the way, before this fight with Joshua and Usyk that there were problems for Joshua. They weren't. They were, I saw them, but I didn't put them all together. And that's when you're talking about retirement as a fighter. And Fury's been talking about that also. Saying that he only wanted a couple more fights, then he's going to go away for two years and he's gonna, then he's going to then he's going to come back again at age 37 and all this. It's like when you do that, you, you have one foot out the door, you're not there mentally, but he's very confident in the trilogy fight that nobody but Wilder and his lawyers wanted to see. But again, anything, anything can happen with it. He's coming, Fury's coming off of COVID. And did that set him back? We're talking about fighting at a top level, not just your normal health situation. We know there's long COVID. There are a lot of people have symptoms of COVID afterwards. Will this affect them? Wilder, Yeah, Wilder in the interviews finally seems not to be sounding like a a, a deranged uh, lunatic. Will this be any different? I don't think it'll be any different. Um,
0: I don't know. Have you seen while uh, have you seen uh, Malik Scott's training videos with Wilder? No, no they, they, we know Wilder
2: has a big punch,
0: but he's thirty five.
2: And he's you don't think
0: to... you, I've seen improvements. OK, I've watched this video. I've seen this video. I had to watch it a hundred times because I see movement in Deontay Wilder that I've never really seen before. And that's all due to Malik Scott and him working with him hand one-on-one. So, And this is just a few weeks. I don't know. It's been a couple months they've been working together. But, yeah, I'm seeing some changes. So, right now, Tyson Fury and Wilder get together. I may give Wilder an edge on this one. I have to root for Wilder because Tyson Fury has COVID lungs. And I don't think he'll make it past round four. <laughs> That's a pretty bold
2: that. prediction. I, mean, I always we'll, say that. <laughs> we'll we'll find out. Uh, Tyson Fury is just such a better boxer, a uh, boxing on such a higher level than Wilder. And he and he proved that he has the power to to stop him. And Wilder was coming up with all these ridiculous excuses. I don't I don't know if Wilder's head really understands what happened in those first two fights that he had with Fury, he was completely outclassed for 16 of 19 rounds. And it was only when he's pretty much when he scored knockdowns on Fury that even that even won the round. And the the second fight, Fury adjusted and moved forward and we saw what happened. So I, I don't know that he could do enough to change at age at age 35 and also also given his history. He needs somebody just to stand right in front of him and and take those big shots. So uh, you, you know we'll, we'll see. We'll
0: see. We will see. I'm and I, I don't
2: want to see if if Fury wins and Usyk has a rematch and wins or whatever order what things happen. Can you imagine a, a Tyson Fury Usyk unification fight? That might not be the most appealing fight to see. It's a mess. The whole heavyweight division is a mess because they delayed all these fights for one excuse after another, and
0: now we're we're in this pickle. So Fury fights Usyk. Who wins? I, I'm gonna go with Usyk.
2: Uh, who knows where Fury's head is at yeah, that point? Yeah, I what don't do you know. Think,
1: I don't know that it ever happens. I think. Uh, Fury walks away. I, I think if Tyson Fury beats Wilder, I think he just says, "Well, takes his cash and cashes out."
0: And he's out. He's back to Dubai.
1: Why? Why would he? Why risk it?
2: He won't be. He won't really be motivated. And at that point, how even marketable of a, of a fight is it?
1: Yeah, because you know it's the... The whole thing was the, you know, the fight of the giants, right? Okay. (laughs) And then you got this little, you know, Usyk at 6'3 is like, a you know, he's almost a foot shorter, right? It's it's a big difference. If it's Joshua, it's an English thing. There's a lot to sell there. I don't know how much money you get.
0: Right. Well, we're going to see what Hearn does, what Fury does. Top rank and all those guys do, but... Um, you guys, I think that's all we have for today. So we're going to wrap this up. Melissa, you want to give the people
1: a shout out where they can find you? Sure. Uh, hey, folks, uh, I've got my blog, uh, girlboxing.org. That's my website. And then I'm on I'm at girlboxing now on Twitter and Instagram.
0: Right Oh What's up, Eddie? Tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, I'm in New York. By the way, when I mentioned
2: earlier the Dempsey Carpentier fight in, in Jersey City, I was gonna to go to that fight with Melissa, but we missed the last boat. <laughs> we, 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 we missed the last, the boat last to Jersey City. Yeah. So
1: and the, we didn't... And, and the thing is, I, I will also add that that particular fight was marketed to women yes. in what? a very unique way because Carpentier was this gorgeous looking guy. And that's and was it his uh Dempsey's uh uh, promoter was a guy named Tex, I'm blanking on his Te- last name. Tex
2: Rickard, the famous Richard, right. Madison Square Garden, yeah.
1: Yeah, so what he thought was, if I market this to women, I will get the carriage trade, because there was still a lot of negativity about boxing in the United States and in New York, and it had just recently been re-legalized. There was a lot of issues. Um So he marketed it very, very heavily to women. Um, wow. And, and Carpentier also was marketed heavily to women up in Toronto, because he fought up in Canada as well, in Montreal, and they just swooned. They absolutely loved him.
2: And that fight was the apparently the first fight broadcast on radio.
1: What and year was this? 1921.
2: 21. And there was a lot of, from what I read, this is just from reading some articles, resistance from a lot of the the companies then about broadcasting a fight live. Some of the people said, No, if you if you put the fight live on radio, nobody's going to go see it. That was the thinking and that was (laughs) the same thinking in the 1950s with TV about broadcasting sports until you the blackout rules that exist in a lot of sports today for TV are a leftover from that idiotic idiotic kind of uh, thinking. So, and and Dempsey won that, he knocked them out in the fourth round. So different outcome than Usyk and Joshua. Right, right. Well, that's a little bit of boxing history for you. That's great. So you can find me uh, in New York, of course, on Twitter. I'm on Twitter a lot at, at NHB News. And you could go to my site, Eddie Goldman.com and sign up for my Patreon page where you get some exclusive premium content at patreon.com slash Eddie Goldman. And
0: hopefully soon we're gonna have a whole war room page. That's we're right. We're working that, on that man. right now. We are yes. working on that today. That's right. Thank you, Eddie. Thank you, Melissa. This is. The Fight Goddess, Chris Baldwin. I'm in Los Angeles, and this is a War Room, and we are out. Peace. No
2: Holds Barred is brought to you by LennyHeart.com, the home of Lenny Hart, the legendary MMA and sports announcer, voice actor, singer, actress, and comedian. Lenny is also known for her jazz vocals with her Lenny Hart Jazz Cabaret Band, for more information, to book her, or to order a custom message from her, go to LennyHart.com. That's L-E-N-N-E-H-A-R-D-T dot com. And, Skulls Fight Shop, home of the Skulls Double End Bag, the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. Skulls Double End Bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed, distance, and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skulls Fight Shop. Advancing combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Skulls, that's S-K-U-L-L-Z, Fight shop Dot. Com, And Adolfina Studios, original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to Etsy.com, that's E T S Y dot com, slash shop, slash Adolfina Studios, that's A D O L P H I N A Studios. Also, please subscribe to the No Holds Barred page on Patreon. For much more No Holds Barred content, that's at patreon.com slash Goldman. Now, you can also support our independent No Holds Barred journalism by purchasing items such as t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, mugs, pillows, masks, and even mini skirts at the new No Holds Barred with Eddie Goldman shop on Redbubble. It has also been recommended to me that people choose sizes on the large side, as some items may run small. You can browse all the items for sale and then place an order at redbubble.com people slash Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world. Welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman, no holds barred. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Thanks for listening. If you want to follow my site, my blog, the easiest way is go to eddiegoldman.com. For No
1: Holds Barred, this has been Eddie Goldman.